Merry Christmas. It is a joy to be together with all of you to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, tonight together. And we've been looking forward to this for so long. It's wonderful. Uh, enjoy our first piece. We start out with the orchestra, The Sounds of Christmas.
5, 2 through 5. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who was in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers turn to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. We were made to live in harmony with God and one another. Instead, because of our sin, we were, made, we were separated from God and living in enmity with him. In Christ, God has accomplished and offers us perfect and everlasting peace with him and one another. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He reconciles us to God and one another. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, making peace, that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Ephesians 2, 14 through 16. As we move closer to the advent of Christ at Christmas, we are reminded that the promise of perfect peace has been fulfilled in Jesus. So we light the fourth advent candle to remind us of Jesus' words in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid.
reading from Luke chapter 2. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. stand. Let's continue our singing.
Have you ever thought about the idea of why is it that that night when Jesus was born was called a divine night? Have you ever actually thought about it? Let me, let me explain to you what that night was so divine. It was, deni- it was divine because it was that day, that night when God chose to become a human being. It is divine because it's the night when God chose to not stay away, but he, he decided to come to us. It is divine because it is the picture of a God that saw our brokenness, our need, our cry, our everything, our, all, everything we go through, I decided to break into our world. Heaven breaks in into this broken world to give us what we so much needed. Him. Have you ever realized that we sing divine night, holy night? Because if God doesn't do that, we will be completely lost. Isn't that the reason why we celebrate Christmas? Isn't that the reason why we should rejoice before the presence of our Father? Isn't that the reason why we are here tonight? Amen? Amen. So with that, let me try that again. Amen? Amen. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, with that attitude, I'm going to call the ushers to the front, please. As we get ready to uh, collect our offering, if you're visiting for the first time, we want to welcome you. Uh, we are so blessed that you have chosen WBC to be, uh, to be the night, to be the place where you're going to spend uh, your, your Christmas Eve with. Um, please do not feel obligated in participating in this part of our worship service. This is for those of us that consider this to be our local church. You may pass the plates. Uh, one of the things that we do, we, it's already our tradition during this Christmas celebration, especially during the giving moment is to take the time to do two things. One is to thank you, and the other one is to remember. We first want to thank you, and we want to thank all of you that have been committed to this church, all to this 2023. We want to thank you for your prayers. We want to thank you for your service, and we want to thank you for all your financial commitment and support to this church. The Lord has been working in amazing ways in this place because of you and through you. So thank you. Thank you, thank you. Actually, do me a favor. Look at the person uh, next to you and say, thank you for everything you do for this church. Go ahead. <laughs> now, if you've never done anything for this church, it's going to be super awkward. But you just say, you're welcome. Don't worry. So first, we want to say thank you. But the second thing that we wanted to do, because I, I think that there's a biblical principle for this, is we always want to take the time to remember We want to take the time to remember because when we forget, we think that what's happening here is because of us. We take the time to remember because we need to remember that God is the one doing everything and anything in our midst. Now, if you have been with us uh, during this year, you may remember that I introduced a new mission statement for the church. And basically what I'm asking the Lord to do is to make of WBC a church that is known by love. Amen? That if anybody's going to talk about WBC, Whitman Bible Church, and Iglesia del Pueblo, the first thing that should come to mind is that we are people of love. Amen? Amen. That we are committed to love God, love one another, love our neighbors, and love ourselves. And the reason why we wanted to take this time to remember is because I have been saying that all throughout this year. And it's because we are committed to that that the Lord has uh, has granted for us to do so many beautiful things and see so many beautiful things. So I want you to celebrate with me. So please take a look at this video.
my prayer is that as we move into the future, we may be known as a church that knows how to love. That we know how to love God, that we know how to love one another, that we know how to love our neighbors, and we know how to love the nation. This is why we exist. God, we worship. His essence, character, and nature is love. That's not only our motivation, but that's also our power. So if you ask me, what is it that I want for a church? Is that we become more and more people of love. Because the people that love is the people that know the God of love. He calls us to be like that because that is the love that we already have in Jesus Christ. That's our motivation and that's our power. Can you see why is it that the church has been radically different to anything else? We have been sacrificially, radically loved by Jesus first. The only way we get to be people like that is when we see behind Jesus, behind the crucifixion, behind the redemption, the God of love that way. Holy Spirit, please help us. Love our Father more. Love our Jesus more. Love you more. And love one another more. I don't know if, you, um, if your heart is moved when you see how much the Lord has done in us and through us. But I think that we should give Him glory for everything that He has done. Amen? Let's do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's a reason why God's people in the Bible and throughout church history has always taken the time to remember and celebrate. Lord, today we remember so we don't forget that you are good and you are always faithful. Lord, today as a church, we remember so we don't forget that you are the one in control and that you always accomplish your purposes. Lord, today we remember so we don't forget that it is not up to us, but it's always you. It is you working in us and it is you working through us. We remember so we don't forget that only you and you alone deserve the glory. We remember, so we don't forget, that you are God and we are not. We are so grateful, Lord, for the evidences of your grace all this year. We remember, Lord, that for us as Christians, Christmas is not just in December. Christmas is every day of the year because we always remember that you came to us, that you came and emptied yourself, that you became nothing in order to save us. I pray, Lord, now that you speak to us through your word and in your word. We ask for the presence of your spirit. We ask for the ministry of the spirit, the one that illuminates our minds and move our affections and transform our wills. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And we all say? I don't, know how much, I don't know about you, but I really enjoy music. How many of you guys enjoy music? How many of you guys are grateful for our worship band, our worship team? Yeah. 
about if I tell you that I think that there's a reason why there's so many references in the Bible about music, you know? There's something, you could say, uniquely spiritual about listening to music. Music that gives glory to God, of course. So and so much that I think that the Bible makes the case that whenever we are going through struggles and problems and things like that, music has the ability in the hands of God to calm your heart. Isn't that the reason why King Saul, when he was struggling with everything he was struggling, he would call David, and David would play the harp, and his heart would find rest. I actually think that this is part of the reason why we also need to worship. But how about if I tell you that as much as that, that is awesome, and as much as that is good, and as much as that's something that we all need, that is never enough. It's never enough to really calm our hearts down. Actually, listen to this. Uh, about five years ago, culture critics, uh, describing the emotional condition of the Western world, they used this term. They said, they said that the Western world is living in the age of anxiety. Meaning that most of us in this part of the world are controlled by anxiety. Anxiety because of the uncertainty of our time. Anxiety because of the political, social, racial, economical, uh, moral, and relational issues. Anxiety because we live in this broken world. What is interesting, though, is that in the last two years, the same cultural critics that have talked about the Western world as living in the age of anxiety, now they're talking about the Western world living in an age of anger. Meaning that not only we are anxious people, but we are angry people. And the reason why we live in this age of anger is because things don't seem to get better. Because even though we continue to trust in political figures, things are still going wrong. Because as much as we try, we still have social issues, racial issues, economic issues, and personal issues. It seems like if it doesn't matter how much we do, how much we try, how many books we read, how many motivational speakers we hear, how many good sermons we have been exposed to, it doesn't matter what we do. Still, in this part of the world, our hearts are still restless. I wonder how many of us tonight are actually going through that. Actually, this is family time, right? I mean, Christmas is supposed to be a family celebration. So how many of you guys every now and then find yourself still restless? How many of you guys are still perfect and lying? <laughs> See, I think that if there's one word to describe the present condition of our culture today, it's precisely that word, restless. Restless because we live in a broken world. Restless because you're broken, I'm broken, living in a broken world, surrounded by broken people. This is part of what it means to be a human being in this broken world. How about if I tell you that if you're a believer, you shouldn't be surprised by that. Actually, the Bible tells us that this is what it means to be a human being in a broken world. Actually, the Bible tells us that in the last days, things will get more complicated. And guess what? After that, more complicated. And after that, more complicated. And for some of us, we believe that in the last days, is since the first moment Jesus ascended to heaven, we have been living in the last days, and it seems like if things are not going to get better. Merry Christmas to you all. 
Actually, Jesus, in the spirit of Christmas, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. See, I think that if you're a believer, you shouldn't be surprised by that. It is kind of expected. Actually, I will be surprised if you are surprised of the opposite. If you actually think, if we actually think that things are supposed to get better. Now, this is, this is what I want to share with you tonight. I think that the Bible makes the case that this is the reality of this world. But I think that the Bible is going to make the argument that it is possible, church, it is possible to live in a broken world and still be full of rest. It is possible to be in a place in which everything may be going wrong and you not be controlled either by anxiety or anger. It is possible, church, to find the way to not just survive in this world or be resigned to whatever is happening in this world or simply endure in this world, but there is a way for us to find rest, to even flourish and even find joy in the midst of brokenness. It is possible. The question you got to ask is, how? I tell you one thing, it's not going to be by having more vacation. It's not going to be by buying a bigger house or a bigger car or a bigger toy. It's not going to be for you running away and hiding from everything. You are not going to find peace because the main problem is not what is happening outside of us. The main problem is what is happening inside of us. So it doesn't matter how much you run, your heart is going with you. How then we get to experience this concept of peace? The peace that the Bible talks about is supernatural, the one that goes beyond understanding. You know, I love that phrase because he says that from a human perspective, it doesn't make any sense. It's not a peace that you can purchase. It's not a man-made peace. It's not created nor fabricated. Actually, you can even pursue it. It has to be found and it has to be given. There's nothing you can do to get it. It has to be found and it has to be given. Now, during this Advent season, we have been singing ourselves through Advents, and we've been looking at different psalms, and we already talked about hope, love, and joy, and today, we are talking about the last one of those, which is the concept of peace. And instead of grabbing one psalm, because this is the last sermon of the day, so there's no time restrictions, <laughs> I'm going to do three psalms, Psalm 120, Psalm 121. And Psalm 122. I love how you laugh like if I was joking. <laughs> now, I'm actually going to stick to my time. I, I want to show you that we are not the first people living in a place like this. I, I want to show you that we're not the first people that live in a broken world, surrounded by broken people, being broken people. We're not the first ones. This is the history of the world, and it also has been the history of God's people. So look at the description of God's people in Psalm 120, starting in verses 1 and 2. Look at where it says, I call unto the Lord in my distress. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. You know, I love the word distress there because in the original, that word can be translated as anxiety. 
This is God's people saying that they are experiencing distress, anxiety, emotional distress, emotional, spiritual distress because they're living in a broken world surrounded with people with lying lips and deceitful tongues. Can you see how we're not the first ones living in a world like this? Actually, the psalm continues, and it says, it says in verses 5 to 7, Woe to me that I dwell in Meshach, that I live among the tent of Kedar. Verse 6, Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This is an honest confession of the reality of their lives. This is, the psalm is simply saying, this life is complicated. Even if we pursue peace, everyone is for war. Can you see that how we're not the first ones to go through something like this? But what I love about this psalm is how honest it is. Actually, I want to make the argument that one of the ways and how we, we find this peace that we suppose that, that we need, it only starts with honesty. It only starts by us recognizing that we are in distress, that we are anxious people, that we need to be safe. Woe to us, we want peace. It starts with honesty. Notice that the psalmist, or God's people, choose honesty over trying to escape the world. Notice that the prayer is not, God, take me away from these problems. Take away my problems. That is not the prayer. Notice that they're choosing honesty instead of distractions. Notice that they're saying they're not trying to suppress their emotions, to deny the reality, to pretend that nothing is happening, hoping that if you close your eyes, things will go away. Notice that that's not what they're choosing. Notice that they're choosing honesty instead of activism. You know what I mean by that? I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to stand my ground and make a difference. Nothing wrong with you trying to do that, but you know that there's only so much that you could do. Notice that God's people are choosing honesty instead of cynicism. You know what I mean by that? They choose honesty in saying of, instead of choosing to say, well, there's no hope in this world. Why do anything? Why don't we just wait and go to hell? Notice that they're choosing honesty instead of self-condemnation. Instead of saying, well, the reason why everything is going wrong is because there's something wrong with me. That may be the case, but that's not, that is not the only reason why we suffer. You know, the last person I checked that was super holy, the holy of holiest, and died in a cross. See, I love the honesty of the psalm. Because he recognizes that we live in a broken world, that we are broken, surrounded by broken people. But also what I love about these three psalms, the reason why I put them together, is because the cry does not stop there. And there's a reason why these people are crying out to God. And I want you to see what they have in mind as they're crying out to God. And for that, we have to look at Psalm 121. Because in Psalm 121, we get a description of the God they're praying to. So, for example, in Psalm 121, starting in verse 2, he says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 
Notice that they're not, they're not trying to escape. They're not trying to distract themselves. They're not pretending that something is not wrong. They're crying out to the one that is the maker of heaven and earth. That the one that is their help, not from their problems, but in their problems, is the maker of heaven and earth. You know what that means? That the only one that could do something for them is the one that speaks and creation happens. You actually think that our problems are too big for him? The, one that, the reason why they're praying, praying to this God is because he's the one that speaks and the mountains melt, says another song. You actually think that our problems are too big for him? And just in case we don't get it, he says something different in verses 3 to 4. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel, God's people, will neither slumber nor sleep. I love that verse. I love that verse because it says that God would always be protecting his people even in the midst of chaos. Actually, my favorite word in that is the word slumber. You know what that is. Actually, if you're a parent, you know what that is. How many of you guys are parents? How many of you guys wish you were not parents? I actually got a couple of hands in all the services, just so you know. We pray for them. See, we know that God is awake at all times. We know that God is present. But the word slumber gives us a different image. And how aware and present God always is. So as I'm thinking about this, this is the image that came to mind. Heidi and I, when we had our babies, both of us, we struggle so much right in the first months because, and I think that that was the case for the, most of you, is we, are always, we were always worried that the babies would stop breathing in the middle of the night. How many of you guys struggle with that? Yeah. So we did the finger thing. You guys remember that? In which you put finger right next to the nose, and we hold it there until we feel something warm. How many of you guys did that? Yeah, like three of you guys. But if that wouldn't work, then we will do the hand in the stomach thing. You just gently place your hand. Because you can't wait. You can't wait that beautiful monster up. <laughs> just to feel if the hand is going up and down. Listen, we did that for months. But there were some nights in which we were so exhausted. You know, because kids are selfish. We were so exhausted that as much as we wanted to be fully aware, every now and then we would do something like this. You remember that? That's actually what some of you guys are doing right now as I preach. <laughs> yeah, amen. Now I got participation for some reason. How about if I tell you that the one we cry to in the middle of a storm, that the one that not necessarily will take you out of your problems, that the one that is cre the creator of, every, of everything, the maker of heaven and earth, that the one that is in control of everything, not for a second, he even does this. 
He's fully aware, fully present, with all his power. He doesn't even blink. See, this is the way you find rest and peace in the middle of the storm. It's not so much that the Lord takes your problems away, but what the Lord is in the middle of the storm. And just in case you miss it, look at what he says in verses 5 and 6. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Notice that he says, if you are a human being living in this broken world, you will experience the heat of the day and the coolness of the night. There is no way around it. But notice that what the Lord promised is not that he's going to be your, that he's going to give you shade. Notice that what the text says is that he is your shade. That in the middle of this broken world, that as much as we struggle, that as much as sin we experience, that regardless of what happens, what gives us peace and rest is not so much that God takes you out, but that he's there. Fully aware there. He is peace. I know that there's got to be at least one person that says here, well, Hannibal, I've tried that. That, that is not true. I pursue the Lord. I, I go to church. I read the Bible. I pray. I serve. I even give money. And I still don't have that peace. So, so I got to ask you a question if that is you. The question is this. Why are you pursuing God? Are you pursuing God for what he can give you? Or are you pursuing God for who God is? See, that's the problem. That's the problem. If we pursue God for, for us to experience his blessings... But not for God himself. It will never be enough. We need God because he's God. What our hearts craves is God. Not just what he gives. You know the best person that I think that, that explains this is C.S. Lewis. In one, of his writings, he, in one of his writings he says this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. You know what that means? Let me, let me put it in my translation here. Pursue God for what he gives you, and you will get nothing. Pursue God for who he is, and you will get everything. See, you know what makes heaven beautiful? And what makes heaven amazing? And what makes heaven a place that we want to go to? Is that God is there. That God is there. Because God is sufficient. And in his person and character, that's where we find peace. Regardless of the storm we go through. Regardless of our problems and pains and tears and illness. Regardless of what we go through. You know, for me, peace is one of those things that is just not a concept. 
Listen, I preached, I have preached sermons and peace for the last 15, 18 years of my life. I've read all the verses that talk about peace. I read all the books that I could find that talk about peace. But the thing that the Lord has used the most to teach me what peace looks like, this peace that is found in God, is in people. I've gotten to see that peace in people. I've gotten to see that peace in the face of a person in a hospital bed right before that person passes away. I've gotten to see that peace in the face of a parent that just lost a child. I've gotten to see that peace in the face of a spouse that is saying goodbye to a lifelong partner. I've gotten to see that peace in the face of someone that has walked away from her career in order to serve the poor. I've gotten to see that, that peace in the face of someone with a terminal illness that is not afraid of dying. I've gotten to see that peace in the face of someone that has lost it all, literally has lost it all, and somehow they experience this supernatural peace that goes beyond understanding. Do you have that? Do you really have that? Can you see why we got to talk about this during Christmas? Because as much as we want, we still don't have this. And somebody might be asking the question, what does it have to do with Christmas? And I would say, thanks for asking the question. I have the answer right here. Everything. This is, this is what Christmas is all about. See, in Christmas, we remember that we have a God that is not indifferent to our pain. See, in Christmas, we get to remember that we have a God that cares so much for us, that becomes a human being in Jesus Christ, breaks into our world, empty himself, and becomes a baby. To do what? Luke chapter 2, verse 14. So he could bring the peace and earth that he already has in himself. To give us what we need that he already has in himself. This is one of the reasons why Christmas is such an important celebration for us as Christians. See, you, you got to picture it this way. This is the interesting thing about that word peace there in that text. Is that, is that the word in the original is Irene. That would be the word. Irene, like Irene, Irene. And what is interesting about that word is that it can actually be translated as harmony or tranquility. So this is the image that comes to mind. Imagine yourself in the middle of a storm. And everything is going crazy. Everything is really going crazy, crazy, crazy. But it doesn't matter how crazy things are outside of you. Inside of you, there's this beautiful melody, this harmonious thing that says, you are okay. Isn't that crazy? Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is not God taking away your struggle. Peace is you having God. It's you having 
God in the person of Jesus Christ. Did you know that that's one of the reasons why Jesus is called the light of the world? See, one of the beautiful things about Jesus being called the light of the world is that there's a quality about light, if you guys remember. This is what light does. Once it gets into a place, it doesn't ask for permission. It just takes over. Once the light is on, it just takes over. Everything else is transformed after that. It doesn't matter how dark your room is. The moment the light is on, everything is transformed on the spot. Did you know that this is part of the reason why we do a candlelight service? Because not only we want to hear that when Jesus came, he came to satisfy our deepest longings, our longings of hope, joy, uh, love, and peace. But we also not just talk about it, but we get to see it. You know what's amazing about this part of the celebration? Is that not only we get to see what Jesus came to do, what Jesus came to fulfill, but also we get to see what Jesus is going to do in this creation. Listen, this thing that we've been talking about, God fulfilling our, 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 our longings, once he transforms us, then he turns us into people that will contribute to what the Lord is doing. See, part of the reason why we do this candlelight celebration is not only so we hear it, but we imagine it and we see it. Did you know that one day we will be in a place in which all anger, all anxiety, all pain, all struggle, all illness will completely disappear. Did you know that's part of the reason why Jesus broke into our world? You know, if you think about that from a theological perspective, the Bible tells you this. That as long as we're living in this world, we're still going to see a lot of brokenness. Amen? But because God came to transform this world, even as we see brokenness, we're going to see the light of Jesus shining more and more and more. Guess through whom? Through his church called the light of the world. So we're going to participate in this. And for those of you that have done this for the first time, I have to give you some instructions because we want to keep our building. <laughs> this is the way we do it. If you are the one with the light on, you do not move your candle. You are forbidden to move your candle. Commandment number 11. You shall not move your candle. It's only those with the candle off, the ones that lean in to light the candle. And then we light it to the person next to us and to the person next to us because that's what the gospel does. It fulfills your longings and then it takes that message to the person next to you and the person next to you until this creation is full of the glory of God.
Amen? So let's do this as a church.
Just look around. That is the image of the future in which the light of Jesus takes over everything. And we get to be part of that. Amen? Amen. Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming. We love you.